Andy, can you believe we've almost hit 700 episodes of The Next Reel? I know, it's crazy. And with all the other episodes in our family of podcasts, we are well over 1,200 episodes of movie conversation. It's really pretty amazing that we've gotten to have these in-depth movie chats every week for over a decade now. And we couldn't have done it without our loyal community of film fans. Their support over the years has meant so much. For sure. That reminds me, we should give the merch store a shout out. Buying shirts from thenextreel.com slash merch is a great way listeners can continue to support the show. Plus, they get to sport our great designs. Absolutely. I think sometimes folks forget we have a variety of shirts, mugs, phone cases, and more available. In fact, a great place to start is with a shirt sporting the Next Reel's logo. We also have that classic Fast Times Spicoli Surf School tee, or the weirdly popular Rusty's European Tour shirt. The one from National Hemp Foods European Vacation. Why is that so popular? <laughs> Search me, but we have sold a ridiculous number of those. I guess there are a lot of Rusties taking trips to Europe? We're always adding new designs based on movies we've covered, like our brand new design for a streetcar named Desire, featuring a streetcar named Desire. So if you want to rep your love of TNR and films, head to thenextreel.com slash merch. Every purchase helps us continue to have these weekly in-depth conversations. So visit thenextreel.com slash merch today. And as always, thanks for listening and being a part of the Next Real community. We've got lots more great movie chats coming your way. Andy, it's hard to believe we've been having weekly conversations about movies since 2011. Oh, you're telling me. Producing this show week after week is so much fun, but it does require a ton of work behind the scenes. If you'd like to help support our efforts, one easy way is by using our Originals page when shopping for books and movies that we've covered. Your purchases made through our links give us a small commission at no extra cost to you and allow us to keep having these great discussions. The Originals page at thenextreel.com slash originals has links to purchase the source material behind our adapted film discussions. Your purchases there help support the show at no extra cost. For the entirety of Season 11, we featured films directed by women. The only exceptions were some of our member bonus episodes. We talked about the lure for our horror debuts series, which is a very loose adaptation of The Little Mermaid by Hans Christian Andersen. Definitely miles from the Disney versions. <laughs> for our 10-year anniversary series, we covered We Need to Talk About Kevin, taken from the Lionel Shriver novel. Man, that was brilliant. And horrifying. Yeah. The Journalist series included Merrily We Go to Hell and The Weight of Water, adapted from Anita Shreve's bestseller. We filled some gaps in previous series with member bonus episodes on adaptations like Malcolm X, Mr. Blandings Builds His Dream House, Cactus Flower, Wild at Heart, Life Force, and The Blues Brothers. Our John Hurd series looked at a trio of adaptations, Chilly Scenes of Winter from the novel by Ann Beatty, Awakenings based on Oliver Sacks' nonfiction book, and Rambling Rose adapted from the Calder Willingham novel. Two films in our coming-of-age debut series were adapted from books, The Virgin Suicides from Jeffrey Eugenides and The Diary of a Teenage Girl, Phoebe Gluckner's graphic novel. We had Queen of Cotway for our sports series based on Tim Crothers' nonfiction book. And Clueless kicked off our 90s comedy series loosely adapted from Jane Austen's Emma. It totally took place in the 90s, though. <laughs> Find all of these books and more adaptations on our Originals page at thenextreel.com slash originals. Start your next read from the movies we've covered. Visit thenextreel.com slash originals today.
I'm Pete Wright. And I'm Andy Nelson. Welcome to the next reel. When the movie ends, our conversation begins. Pariah is over. It's not a phase. I know for homecoming that I'd want to go with Craig. And who are you going to go with, Lee? I'm not going. What do you mean you're not going? If she doesn't want to go, she doesn't have to go. For some reason, B just doesn't like anything I pick out for her anymore. You look beautiful, baby. This isn't me. There's this new uh, women's club up there by the liquor store. You haven't heard anything about it, right? I, I never even heard of it. What if, say, somebody liked you? What if the person is kind of like a friend, but you know they like you more than that? I told you, I talked to Alike, everything's fine. Did you ask her? No, because I don't have to. You don't want to face the facts. No, it's not true. Look, when you the daughter is turning into a damn man right no, in front of your no, eyes and you can't I am broken. I am broken open. Breaking is freeing. Broken is freedom. I am not broken. I'm free. Andy, we're still in the middle of our 10-year celebration. Have you heard? We're in the we're in the the uh the middle of the beginning. Yes. The middle of the beginning. I have heard. Uh and we're almost at the beginning of the middle. Yeah, okay, that we're there too. Uh that's weird. And uh, after our member bonus episode dimensions uh a, a string, a riddle and a hit in the head last week, I'm sure glad to be watching this movie. It's Pariah. Yes, which actually will be coming out uh for people uh, immediately after the Dimensions episode comes out to members. So apologies to all of you members, but you voted for it. <laughs> Enjoy. <laughs> uh, and so here we are. Uh, we're, we're doing this. This is part of our 10-year anniversary series because it's our 10-year anniversary, and that's really fun. That's why we're doing this movie. Uh, why we picked it, I don't remember. How did we pick this movie? Same reason we picked the others. It was, you know, we were looking at movies that came out 10 years ago, and... Th- thinning out the ones that uh, had high ratings. This was one of them. And I think that I'm trying to remember if word had come out that this was going to be a criterion release, but I don't think so. I think, I think that it ended up getting its criterion release or the announcement about it shortly after we announced our series. So I'd like to think that criterion saw what we were doing and said, Ooh, Let's do that one because they also did Love and Basketball, another film we're talking about later this season. So I think uh, I think it's Criterion like they're is. they're listening to the show, which is yeah, the I most think important so. I think important so. thing. All right, um, and so we get to our most important part of this movie. Um, what what did you think that I thought of it? I think you loved it. I think you loved it too. Well, I guess we'll find out now, won't we? <laughs> okay. This film was rated R for sexual content. And language. And dildo straps. <laughs> That's a strap-on dildo. Is, uh, it, we'll is it? We'll fix it in post. <laughs> I just, it's fun looking at the things. The You know, mild sex and nudity. A girl puts on a dildo strap. Two girls kiss and touch each other in a few scenes. There are scenes of nudity in a strip club. A man verbally attacks a girl with homophobic slurs. A man shoves the same man against a wall after he makes similar remarks about his daughter. 
There's a good amount of swearing, including the F word, the S word, bitch, and some homophobic slurs. <laughs> Men and women drink some beer. A group of young people smoke marijuana. A woman beats her daughter after she tells her she's a lesbian. She's seen with a cut on her face the next morning. Some emotionally intense scenes. A morning after rude awakening. A family argument that turns violent. <laughs> Some adults drink beer. <laughs> hey. This is this is IMDb's version of Common Sense Media where it's <laughs> yeah, got this little... Yeah. Thorough. <laughs> Very Thorough. Do you want to watch this movie and help us out? Well, if you see an Apple or Amazon link next to it in our show notes, you can click on it, which will take you right to their site where you can rent or buy the movie. When you do this, we get a little bit in return. Win-win. And the merch store. Uh, go ahead and visit truestory.fm slash TNR merch and you'll see our t-shirts that are come and, and uh, stuff that's coming out related to the movies we're talking about. And let me tell you, this one might involve a sex toy. We're working on it. Anyway, you can put sex toys on stickers and mugs and masks and pillows. Pillows? Put your face on a sex toy picture. Okay, I'm not sure it's going to be a sex toy, but it'll be something fun. I don't even know what to follow with that, Uh, but (laughs) I'll try this. We are now featuring audio reviews from you, our dear listeners. Just send your 30-second audio clip to reviews at truestory.fm. As soon as you watch the movie, we just might end up showcasing it on the show. Remember, we record about two weeks before the episode drops, so make sure you get it to us early, and we'll hold on to it. It goes in the TNR vault, and we'll save it, precious-like. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Anyone who's interested in uh, jumping onto Letterboxd, if you are a fan of the film-related social network, letterboxd.com, and you've decided, hey, you know what what about Letterboxd? I love it, but, you know, I wish there weren't ads. I can help you with that. Uh, Just visit thenextreel.com slash letterboxd, and it will take you to the Letterboxd upgrade page, and it will already slash 20% off the price to upgrade to pro or patron membership that take gets rid of the ads that supports the service it's fantastic and you are a, a better better looking certainly better dressed person for having done it again next real the next real.com slash letterboxd if you're already on letterboxd you can use the code next real at checkout and that will also slash that 20 percent off it works for new memberships and renewals as well. Two important things about that, Pete. Or one important thing. And, and then one, one less important thing? One one bit of nonsense, because okay. I'm always, always full of nonsense. The important thing is, if you want to know what movies we're going to be talking about this season, you go to our HQ page, and it's right there in our profile. You can click on the link, and it'll take you to the list that shows the full list of movies. So that way you can watch them, get ahead, send those reviews into us. At reviews at truestory.fm, just as a reminder. The other thing, Pete, now that you called it the the film-related social network. I think, yeah. Or I, I, I'm now working on... I, I, this is this is an announcement here to the world. That I starting, don't know about? This is it unprecedented. Started, it's starting right here, Pete. I am oh, no. now officially working on the script for the Matthew Buchanan story. It's called the film-related <laughs> social network. <laughs> <laughs> That's Fantastic. Oh, yes. he's going to be so pleased. He's going to be very pleased. <laughs> yeah. All right. Let's do the show. So, reveals, Pete. Pariah. 
Pariah. Okay. Did you love it? What'd you think? I did. It was a very powerful, honest story about being at that, that high school age and, you know, having the sense that you're a lesbian and, you know, trying to figure out how to maneuver that just in life in general, but then also how to maneuver that with your family. And it was, uh, it was pretty powerful. I really enjoyed it. Let me just say the way you say that, it it really implied that you remember what it was like to become a lesbian in high school. I, I, didn't I tell you about that that time? <laughs> there was. I think that we have we have uh, discovered a new area of fluidity on the show. I did not know that, and I'm glad to. I'm glad that's out there now. Yes. Um, yeah, I'm with you. I I went back and forth between really really loving it and liking it a whole lot. <laughs> so so it's up there for me, but there is this kind of moonlight vibe to it. Do you know what I mean? Like and I just I ultimately I I really enjoyed what Bri was doing and I love the performances, but I felt like structurally it wasn't as interesting as Moonlight was and to, for me and um which I thought was a, another very powerful film uh very powerful film dealing with identity and fluidity that 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 in in some of the same ways that Priya is is approaching and so there was in the back of my mind always that lingering comparison that I I couldn't completely disregard. Now, if, if you know, separate from that, I thought Pariah was an incredibly powerful movie. And I think the the lead performance, uh, which I have to say, Adepero Aduye is amazing in communicating these very complex issues uh, that are at work in inside of her as she's navigating multiple social circles in so many better ways than the movie Geostorm, which she was in later, lest we forget <laughs> what Geostorm does to Pete. I can't believe that I have to tie those movies together, but it is, it's coming up. Uh, that is a movie that drives me to rage. So she is so good. So, so good here. Uh, and so I, I think I, I think that is something to really celebrate. All of the performances in here are dealing with something so complex and they did not succumb to stereotypes. I think it was it was super authentic and and really approaches the human experience of dealing with with change in in a way that I I, I think is is worth celebrating. I, I well, I just have to tell you when you first brought up the comparison with Moonlight, I went to Moonlighting in my head. Yeah, and I was like, that's an odd comparison. I'm not, I was you trying were to piece it, it together. Out. I was trying you to figure it, it out. out. Like, yeah. How to, how David and Maddie, how, do, how does that fit in here? And then it clicked. And then it clicked. But it took a bit. I just, yeah. I, clearly, it's one of those one of those days where my brain is just, yeah. you know, a few steps behind. You're doing great. But, um, you, know, you know, but I, I feel like there might be, some... I'm just going to stop. I'm just okay. going to stop. Right, you Not know, even worth it. For everybody's Woo! sake. Yes, for everybody's sake, please, just. Stop. Just stop talking. <laughs> no, but here's what I'll say about Moonlight, which I also agree is the uh for me, the superior picture, just as far as like the way it's it's put together and told and everything. But you know, I mean it it came later and I, yeah. I think there's likely 
an influence on Moonlight from this film, you know, because I 100% agree with that. Yes. Because, I mean, it is a very complex story. And I mean, obviously, everyone has a different story in their in their coming out journey of watching. uh, I don't think that I don't think that's true. I think they're all the same. I think everybody's (laughs) coming out journey is the same. Yeah, that's why they Probably. just only have to make a few movies about it. Isn't that right? <laughs> They're already done. Because they've <laughs> captured that completely. <laughs> yeah, okay, moving on. Back to Geostorm 2. <laughs> <laughs> it's the, it's the, the, the coming out of the Bomba Genesis. That's Geostorm 2, Bomba Genesis Awakening. Yes. All uh, right, three what were you going to say? We're doing great. Just the fact that Moonlight... Um, you know, I, I it, that's a very powerful film, and it really hit me. But so did this, and it was just—I mean, this journey that we go on with Alike. It's—I mean, I guess you could you—I I would say it is a smaller story, just because it's—we're just following her over—I don't know—the few a few months, maybe over kind of a period of time. Whereas, obviously, Moonlight is like kind of a a lifetime, you know, as we kind of journey, you know, through uh, through his life over three particular periods of it. And so I think with this film, it's just the, it's all those little moments and those, those, uh, those beats that she has with her, her friends, whether it's Laura or, uh, the, I'm blanking on her name. Uh, is it Bina? The one who yeah, she Bina. has to, has to, is forced to walk to school with yeah. for a time. Um, and, and that, like the way that those relationships evolve over the course of the film, I, I found very interesting. And, I think informative as far as, you know, how Alike was moving through kind of these, this, the way that she was trying to figure herself out and trying to get to a place where she was going to eventually come out. Um, but also just dealing with the family and the challenges of having these conversations with your parents, especially that when they don't want to have the conversation or they're like, dad doesn't want to have the conversation. Like dad seems to have an idea, but also is just like, I'm not going to, I'm not going to have this conversation. Like the way that he switched when he was having that conversation with Lee and you felt like he was about to say, I understand it's all, it's all good. And she's talking about this, this, this person that she likes, who's a friend and and he can tell it's getting too close to to having to deal with these things. And so he instantly throws out, what's his name? Oh, I can't wait to meet him. Like totally like switching that so that he just didn't have to go there. Yeah. And the way that that he handled that, I think, speaks to a lot of, of how a lot of parents uh, who end up confronted with this probably deal with it uh unfortunately but also how it really hits the kid when they're trying to you know be open and honest and grow and you know into into a, a normal adult and their parents can't even deal with that sort of thing and it it just was it's really powerful to watch those little moments and the way that um Oduye plays it it's just i mean it, you're you're with her every step of the way I want to I, I want to shout out to Kim Wayans here, too, as as mom, um, because, oh, yeah, her performance was so surprising to me. And and it was it, it was sort of an epic emotional twist that I felt like through the entire experience of the movie, mom was struggling with her marriage for sure and the family. And she was really fighting to keep everyone together. She knows there's this undercurrent. But at no point did I get the sense that she was dealing with her own struggles with homophobia. 
right? It, it really felt like she was just fighting to keep the family together and keep her, you know, Lee's um, friendships wholesome, right? She she really was, you, you could just feel how strong she was fighting for this stuff. And then it turns around, and when she's in this fight with her, with her husband, when she's in this fight with Arthur, and she drops the, your daughter is turning into a man right in front of your eyes. And that, I felt like I was stabbed. I thought, uh, I, this was, I thought mom was a port in the storm around these issues. And it turns out she was the most volatile of all of them in understanding what Lee was going through. And that disruption in the family dynamic, I thought was incredibly well performed. I, I, it hit, really hit home for me. I thought it was great. She's uh, one of the Wayans. Yes, as you can tell by the last name. Yes, right. Uh, I, I think she's uh, worked with her brothers on a number of their projects. Yes. Uh, but yeah, yes, she yes. was fantastic here. And it, there were those moments. I, I kind of had a sense, maybe it was because I watched the trailer beforehand, but I had a sense that she was feeling where Alike was going and was pushing dad to to stop it and to have these conversations because the trailer does have some of their conversations that happen later in the film and so i kind of had a, a sense watching it that she was not that uh you know she was the one who was very religious and who was going to really uh break when the truth came out you definitely get that because of her like it, it's one of those it, those sort of emotional journeys that makes much more sense in hindsight right like uh, of course like she has this sort of cultural identity around church and around the w what is wholesome for her and you can see that uh, many of the rifts that she has with arthur are related to that like it totally makes sense that she would be struggling with with her daughter's journey but uh it, to me it, it that when she blew up it was a surprise uh, and and you know the the reparations that dad has to make on the rooftop in the at the very end sort of post that climactic battle um i thought were i, I thought that conversation between arthur and lee uh was was equally powerful and again for me coming to it as a perspective from the perspective of dad having to embrace that lee has made the choice not to run away but to choose a path forward and not come home again was was pretty crushing i think that was that that was a a, a another one of those sort of really powerful performances uh particularly on his part um to be able to say to to stand up and say i know that did not go well and i love you and we can get to the other side of it if you'll let us. And to sit there and have Lee say, no, I'm not going to do that. Yeah. This was, um, according to uh, writer-director Dee Reese, this was semi-autobiographical uh, because she can relate to the concepts in the film. She says the story's not really hers, but the concepts are. Um, she said on National Coming Out Day, the year the film came out, she described her own coming out experience and, and her parents weren't accepting. And they did continue sending her emails, cards, letters, Bible verses, all these sorts of things. And so it was a it was a, a very much a struggle for her as well, which is, uh, you know, it's sad mm -hmm. to hear. Yeah. I, you know, going back to mom, I had a question. Uh, what, what was your read on on her moments at work in the uh, kind of like the the break room, the first time we see her come in there, 
I was I wasn't sure what to read with that. Like there were a couple other women in there who kind of give her a look and she kind of gives them a look and then she sits down and just starts eating by herself before that other friend comes in and and they start chatting. But what was the what was going on with those other women? Did you have any was there something I missed? I I don't know and I really I struggled with that myself. And and I wonder you know how much of that is is there some sort of manufacturing going on to make everyone in the family a pariah in their own way? Like, is that a play on the title? I couldn't help but think of, you know, um, you know, Arthur has his own sort of journey of outsiderness. Um, and obviously, you know, uh, Lee is going through that in her own uh, experience, feeling like an outsider. And then mom goes to work and she's being gossiped about behind her back, I guess. She's sitting alone. I, you know, do people not understand her her sort of cultural identity uh, related to what her conservative uh, bent, her, you know, relationship with religion? I didn't get it. But even more so, once her friend sat down, the table kind of becomes a hotbed, like other people show up and they start talking about, you know, clothes. And, and so why? I, I felt like I must have missed something, too. That's one of the sort of strikes that that her story at work didn't feel of a piece with the rest of the film. Well, and she was one of those people like she felt like she was fine when her friend came in and they were talking. Uh, but as soon as those other people came, like she was embarrassed. She wanted to like put the clothes back in the bag, like didn't want to talk. So I, I guess I missed whatever that was. So, yeah, maybe it's something along the lines you're saying. But that was something I felt like, was there a scene that was missing that was cut out or something? Like I didn't, that didn't click for me. I, I never quite fully understood what was happening there. Right. Right. Um, right. Me too. Yeah. I, I don't know about Arthur. Like I didn't, I guess I didn't get a sense uh, of him being an outsider other than, you know, In just his family, I guess is what I was thinking about. Well, yeah. I mean, he's, he's certainly, but that, that seemed like it's on him. Like he's the one who, has pushed himself away from the family because, you know, he's having an affair. He's, you know, doesn't seem interested in his wife anymore, just seems ready to just be done with all of this. He was definitely an interesting character. And and for a character that's kind of as hard-edged as he is, I mean, he lives that detective lifestyle, I guess, you know, he's got that stuff in his head. I I did always enjoy the moments that that we had between him and Lee. I thought they were great. And even when he's being tough, like just put on the clothes that your mom says, stuff like that. You know, I I enjoyed the way that he came across because he's the one he does have those moments of genuine I'm I'm trying here, you know, at, at other points in the film. I really like that. I, mostly because I think that was the character I could I felt like I could relate to the most. Um and so he was he was my surrogate uh walking through this movie. He has a great moment even though again, he never he won't acknowledge that his daughter might be a lesbian, but when the the guy at the I don't know, the convenience store is is kind of pushing on this this other lesbian that had walked in because there's this girls club that opened across the way and he's kind of pushing on uh this this guy's you know saying things all these slurs to this woman and then she kind of comes right back before she leaves and and you know puts him down and then this guy starts going in on arthur because of his daughter it's like there were some and, and he was you know very defensive of his daughter and and so he clearly loves her clearly could see something that was going on, but also was very wary about acknowledging 
and and moving forward with the truth which you know it was it was an interesting journey for him and i really liked that he actually took the journey you know and and worked through it toward the end even if he you know still had a hard time i liked the journey that he went on yeah me too there's a there's a healthy dose of comedy uh, in the movie thanks to i i think thanks in large part to um you know his the two daughters together and and i i found that it was a hard relationship for them and it was also also funny particularly around you know her looking to acquire uh, Lee looking to acquire the the sex toy to have you know to to have with her and attempt to to wear it and the, her sister yeah. having that that exchange in their bedroom about you know not not telling uh, that that she's wearing the artificial phallus in her pants at any given time and i thought that was that was really how they market them yeah it's artificial Artificial phallus phallus. yeah (laughs) and i thought it was really funny and um i i really enjoyed that that relationship although not always played for laughs i i found like that was that was an uh, opportunity to see some of that sibling strife in a little bit of a lighter tone yeah well I, i mean right from the gate when when lee comes in late and Sharanta's like, hi, Lee, you know, just kind of shouts <laughs> yeah, that out so yeah. that just so that mom knows that she came home late and was sneaking in. Like, that was a great moment. And yeah. uh, but then also she is the one who later is like, hey, just so you know, I really I don't care. You know, what, whatever is fine with me. Oh, when they were in bed, when she climbed into bed with her, when the parents were fighting. Yeah, that was a very sweet bit. But yeah, she she clearly was fine with Lee, however she was. So yeah, I, I really yeah. liked I liked that a lot. What about the love triangle? We haven't we haven't brought up any of the relationships that Lee has yet. No, yeah, because I mean she hangs out with Laura all the time, who is her best friend. They've always done stuff, even though Audrey hates Laura and hates you know that element coming into her house, hanging out with her daughter, because I think she senses that Laura is a lesbian, and uh, you know came from I, you know there was that whole sense of her coming from this broken home they won't they don't live with their mom and stuff but i think it's broken because mom pushed her out is really kind of what i i read from that i mean is is that your sense yeah that that's exactly what i got to especially when she goes back to talk to her mom and tell her that she got her ged like that that moment is oh. incisive because you get yeah. all of that history all in one one scene God, so much in mom's face in that moment. Oh, so much. Mom was rough. That was, yeah, that was tough. Uh, uh, very powerfully done. But, you know, we have this thing where Laura is always taking Lee out to these clubs, trying to get her to let herself, let her hair down, as it were, you know, to, to open up to this lifestyle. Because at this point, it seems Lee is very much virginal. She's not really tried anything yet. Like, she's interested and and clearly has made this decision that she is a lesbian, but it's that early stage in any time you start dating where, you know, you haven't had a first time yet. And it's very nerve wracking to just get into those situations, especially when you're in this place where you've, you haven't come out really to people yet. And so there's this, there's this great relationship between the two of them. That's very friendly. And I just, I enjoyed what it was doing. But uh, then Bina comes in, forced in, I guess, by uh, Audrey and Bina's mom, who have the two of them walking to school together. And 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 that was a great relationship. And what was so interesting about it is the way that is the way that it developed into kind of this sense of uh, you know them falling in love with each other, only to 
have it come out after they've finally have gone to bed together that Bina is was just experimenting and just kind of like playing around and stuff which just breaks Alike and uh, it was powerful but uh, but before that you know Laura is very upset because now she's been kind of put by the wayside and it only then comes out that she's always liked Lee so yeah it was it was, it was uh, I mean you know full on love triangle sort of storytelling yeah, and I think it works because, uh, in large part, because it, you know, gender doesn't really matter because the emotional sort of experience between these three young women is the universal experience, right? Like any time you're in a relationship with and and you have feelings, you know, whether or not they're requited between other people, it, it just feels it feels so familiar that it, it's easy to just sort of um to go along with what they're going through and at least for me as a heterosexual male th- to separate the fact that I'm I'm not a lesbian but I know these feelings I know how much it sucks to feel like you're in love with somebody and they they don't feel the same way like I I have a sense memory of those high school relationships and how powerful they are and how resonant they are. And I think this movie captures that really well. I, I think uh, between these three, Asha Davis and uh, Adepero Duye and Pernell Walker, they just nail it, that sort of crushing weight of, of emotion that goes into to feeling for one another and the betrayal that comes from it and how it feels like it's the end of the world. Um, and and then you layer all the stuff on top of it that the subtleties and the cultural stuff and that that I can't relate to, and I, I think that's uh, um, it, it ends up being just a really powerful concoction uh, that that I think is what makes this movie uh, so uh, well regarded in the LGBTQ community. Right. I mean, this this movie is it's number what number six on the best lesbian movies of all time. Like it it's it is one of those movies that that feels like it's earned its its way in because of its universality. No, it's 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 strong. And I, I you know, I would say that even if you can't um, relate to the stuff, it's it's that whole sympathy, empathy thing where I yeah. mean, I I'm feeling it, you know, yeah, I'm very much feeling it. They're they're really uh, carrying the story quite well. And especially like when. When Bina, the morning after, uh, you know, she and, and Lee get together, that her, she's completely closed off now, doesn't want Lee to tell anybody about it. She says, you know, hey, I'm not I'm not like that. I was just, yeah. you know, I just was playing around. I just wanted to, you know, try it out and is so closed off to it. Whereas Lee was reading it like this is this is real. This is love. This is, you know, uh, a relationship seeing that kind of rejection coming from Bina right after having that first time. I mean, just watching Lee just run out of the house, like knocking over trash cans, just kicking things down. She runs into her room and just destroys it, tears it apart. That's heartbreaking. I mean, that's, that's, I mean, love triangle or not just that sort of rejection when you've just had that moment with somebody and then only to find out that they, they weren't in it for the same reasons you were. I mean, that's tough. And I, I felt it, especially the filmmaking, the way that, that Reese and her, the camera work by Bradford Young through that, like that, that handheld, very shaky. I mean, you're really right in that. And it's, I mean, it, I, you really feel it. It, it was, it was tough. It was, it was very strong. 
Yeah, I it, it was fun to see Bradford Young with this movie, seeing where he went after this, right? Like Selma and Solo and A Most Violent Year and Arrival. And, I mean, like those are his his big four on IMDb. Like the guy has chops and I think you can really see it in this movie. I thought it was beautiful to watch, incredibly elegantly shot. And especially it is a very tight film. The frame is super compressed, right? Where we spend a lot of time on faces and faces moving past and through the frame. And, um, and, and it makes it feel... Uh, you know, claustrophobic in in some scenes. And that, that to me, is the visual experience of, you know, struggling with cultural identity. Like you're, you're in an elevator that is just way too tight, you know, and, and there are just too many people and you can't, you, you know, you just, somebody just farted and you can't, you know, acknowledge it, right? Like there's just something about that. I don't know why that's the comparison that I make. I, that, that's really offensive. I, I'm letting I should, you hang that one. Should, hang on that one. I should that's... take that back. I won't, but I should. <laughs> and then you compare it to where he goes with something like Arrival, which is so big, right? So, so big and beautiful. Um, I, I mean, just what a, what a wonderful catalog of films. And he's been very, very busy, uh, you know, with, with his 74 credits just since as cinematographer since 2004, you know, between shorts and docs and, and features. Very cool. Yeah. And it doesn't look like he's worked with Reese since, but I, I think they started strong here and they both found, wow, a really powerful way to tell this story. I mean, it, it felt very intimate very personal like you're saying all the faces like we get so many faces in here just these beautiful shots of faces reflections of faces like when when we have uh lee riding on the bus early on and that just that fantastic shot that of, of her looking out the window but then the reflection of her face right there too oh, I, I think beautiful. that just spoke so much to kind of the struggle that she's going through of, of living these two different lives which we see at the beginning as every time she's like going home or going to school she's always changing clothes like she has to get back into home mode the the mom approved version of lee you know when she when she's on her way home and she's you know putting back on or taking off, I should say, the the extra layers that she's added to kind of cover up the the nicer, uh, more girly outfits that mom approves of, and uh, yeah, it's like that's a, that's a whole interesting layer that I hadn't really thought about before of people who walk out the door of their house on their way to school only to throw on more clothes or take some clothes off as they um, you know want to wear certain things at school. Yeah, it's funny because usually you see that trope as a trope uh, with the, you know, there'll be it, the high school trope is the girls walk out of their house in a, sort of more of a prudish outfit and they go change into something a little bit more provocative when they get to school. So or more fashionable or something like that. That's a trope that I feel like we've seen. But is it? Uh, but it was interesting to see it. Yeah, I don't feel like I've You've never seen that. No. Oh, it's a thing. Of course, now that we're talking about it, I can't think of it, but I've definitely seen it before. Okay. Well, I'll we believe do, you. I just, I, can't, I, I didn't know it was a trope. Yeah, it's a thing. I'm going to find, I'm going to find the trope. Okay. I, find I, we'll, find we'll the whole it. list of movies. There's a list. Where, I'm sure there's yeah. a list. Wasn't it like, uh, it wasn't Greece. That uh, wouldn't have been it. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure, sure they're out there. I'm talking about it now. So that, that means it's got to be out there. Also, shout out to, uh, to uh, Pawn Sacrifice. Did you see that one? The Tobey Maguire, Peter Sarsgaard, um, the Sarsgaard Industrial Complex chess movie. 
No, I heard it was not good. Not good. You know, uh, it's better than that. I just wanted to shout that out because it is. It's in terms of a guy who knows how to shoot chess. Uh, that was that was. Uh, I enjoyed chess photography. That's <laughs> a weird thing. Weird thing to like, but uh, I do. Uh, like uh, Queen's Gambit made chess super sexy. Well, this was part of that, and uh, it's got a good cast. And it's a seven on the IMDb scale. So if you don't trust me, trust the seven. It's more than a six. Trust the seven. It's more than a six. We got to put that on a shirt. Trust the seven. It's more than a six. Yeah, making sense. So anyway, back Inter- to this movie. Back Whatever. to this movie. So um, have you seen much more from D? I need a second. Have I? I've seen Mudbound. After this, did a segment of the film, Boys on Film 9, Youth in Trouble, which I, I'm not familiar with the Boys on Film series. I haven't seen that. Um, what is this? Boys on Film... Uh, the world's most successful short film series. Okay. Uh, compilation features a range of eclectic, innovative, and genre-bending short films. Huh. Okay. Well, that's what Boys on Film is. I okay. wasn't familiar with that at all. Uh, have you seen Mudbound? I, I haven't seen Mudbound. That one I know is on Netflix. <laughs> <laughs> it's a Netflix movie, man. It is. I know. So Mudbound <laughs> and then The Last Thing He Wanted, which he uh, just did in 2020. That was um, Anne Hathaway, Ben Affleck, Rosie Perez, Willem Dafoe. Uh, another Netflix film also missed that one. Very badly rated. 4.3 on IMDb. That's a bummer. Mudbound 7.4. Trust is 7. It's more than a six. You know what's interesting about Mudbound? Hmm. She was nominated for script on that, for adapted screenplay, along with uh, Virgil Williams. And that made Reese the first black woman ever to be nominated for best adapted screenplay. Also the first black woman to be nominated for a writing Oscar since uh, Suzanne DePass was nominated for best original screenplay for uh, Lady Sings the Blues in 1972. Wow. Pretty interesting note. And... Mary J. Blige was nominated for that film as Best Supporting Actress, which made Dee Reese the first black woman to direct a film for which an actor or actress was nominated for an Academy Award. Wow. Yeah. Have you watched any of Electric Dreams, the Amazon version of Black Mirror? <laughs> I did. Uh, gosh, I, I watched a couple episodes and then I um, I lost track of it. I need to come back to it because I was enjoying it, but I just didn't get very far. She directed. Kill. She wrote and directed Kill All Others. The 2018 episode. Which episode was that? Kill. Don't all know. Others. I haven't. I haven't watched it. Um, a man hangs dead from a lamppost, apparently murdered and inexplicably ignored by passersby. After a politician makes a shocking statement encouraging violence, when one Filbert Noyce dares to question the situation, he becomes an instant target. Okay, I haven't seen that one. That politician is Vera Farmiga, and I think you remember how we feel about Vera Farmiga. Best friends who haven't met us yet. List. Very strong. For sure. Yeah. Uh, based on the short story Hanging Stranger by Philip K. Dick. Yeah, I need to get back into that. I really enjoy Philip K. Dick's uh, uh, adaptations, and I was enjoying mm-hmm. the show. I just I lost track of it. Uh, so I should continue watching those. Is this still going, or did they only do a season of that? Uh, I don't. I don't actually know the answer to that question. I, I want to say it's like it's one of those that they're they did. Uh, did they do two seasons or just the one? Did you say they did one season? And it's probably, I don't know, if it's, is it a thing that they'll just bring back in, in a, another year? Did it get, you know, could they not figure out how to make it work? I mean, it's, it's again, 7.3 on the IMDb scale. People liked it. Looks like they only did uh, 10 episodes. So 
Well, that makes me want to watch it now because at least I can get caught up. Exactly. Exactly. Huh. Okay. okay. Uh, so anyway, so, that's D. That's D. Uh, a lot of interesting D's, stuff. D's great. A lot of interesting, well, not much stuff. And that's an, no. another reason to get on the D Reese uh, train. Yeah. Because you can get caught up. Very, very quickly. She did a documentary also in 2008. That was actually her very first film. It was called Eventual Salvation. It was a feature project, I think, about her grandmother. Also working on Masters of the Air, the Flying yeah, Fortress show. That's the Netflix one. Yeah. Or no, uh, Apple TV. Yeah. Yeah. That as well. That looks, uh, that looks interesting. She's got two episodes. That's a little more kind of historic... Is that World War Two or is yeah? Just... Is that is that sort of a band of brothers kind of thing? But it's only it's specifically about the aircraft and the pilots yes. and stuff, right? Yeah, right. Yeah, right, right, right. Yeah, that looks really, uh, really interesting. It looks like something that's gonna that I'm gonna be excited about. Well, Mudbound is is high on my list. That one, I think, she based kind of on her her own grandmother and her story of her time living in the South. And so that one is always has piqued my curiosity. I just haven't gotten around to it. But um, yeah, I, I think that, I mean, right out of the gate with this as kind of her first narrative film, like there's such a, an incredible visual style, such a connection to the characters. Like I'm really excited about what she's delivering here. And I, I feel like she's definitely a director to kind of continue watching. This film uh, looked great, sounded great. I didn't. Uh, there was no point in her uh, in her dialogue that made me question what the you know the veracity of these characters. I think it was incredibly well cast, um, and I think that you know when where I struggle is that, and I guess that's that's the question. Where do I where do I struggle? Why is this not a slam dunk five star and a heart film? And I don't know that I have an answer for that. I have a lot of great glowing things to say about it, but structurally, it's it it's this sort of day in the lifestyle film that um, that I that I, I I don't have that sort of fall in love with moment. No, I, and I didn't either. I think you know. I think there are scenes like we talked about the stuff with mom at work that I just I never really got other than like there was that friendship there that she had but the rest of it is like what is like I just I never could figure out like what is going on with mom at work like there were issues that I struggled with there I, I really enjoyed that we got to spend so much time with some of these characters like Laura really kind of learning her life and seeing everything going on with her and her sister and her sister pushing her to get her GED and to finish that so she can do something with her life and the struggle that they were going through just to make it li make a living living on their own away from mom um, and trying to, you know, get these things done, like check off the list, the GED so that she could do something with her life. Like I loved all those moments. I also felt like, it, I, I don't want to say that it pulled me away from spending time with Lee, who I really wanted to kind of follow her story. And I really am glad that we got to really evolve the character of Laura and see a lot more of her. But at the same time, I never felt like I actually got enough of Laura. Like I got a lot of her, but I felt like I even wanted more. Like we, we started getting those bits and pieces, but it just felt like, you know, I don't know. I, 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 I really enjoyed the characters here. And I, I guess my struggle is like, I just wanted more from all of them. You wanted, did you want a longer movie? Maybe that's what it was. Like, I, And I asked that with all, in all sincerity, it's a sh pretty short film. Yeah. I, I mean, perhaps, you know, I, I, again, I'm not sure what I would include, but I, I 
feel like there could have been, you know, a little more, a little more meat in there to really latch onto. Like, I, I'm just trying to figure out, cause like why for me, it's also not a five-star film. What was it that just, I didn't, uh, like it didn't completely work for me. Like I, I, like I felt like maybe I also wanted some more resolution with dad and mom and that whole yes. thing. And I felt like, are they resolving because of this, you know, they, 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 essentially Lee ran away from home. She's living on her own. And then we have that scene where it's like, now they're all sitting around the table having dinner together. A place is set for Lee, but she's not there. But the three of them are there, including dad. And they totally ignore it. It's like becomes such a, it's just a performative dinner. It's a performative dinner, but it's all of them having dinner together, which is the, you know, is this going to be their life moving forward now? Like this performative aspect of pretending everything is okay. Dad's pretending like he's, I mean, that, that's, that's why it stands out to me because dad always was the one eating the, uh, the fast food when he got home, never eating the plates that mom left out for him. But, and he was having his affair and all this sort of stuff that was going on with dad. And here we have this moment of them all faking it. You know, I like, is there, is that closure for the family? Are they now trying to work on things going forward? I don't know what you think. I don't know. Maybe I feel like that might be a little bit too generous. I I feel like mom is sufficiently broken about this. I don't feel like there's resolution for her. And maybe this, this just doesn't feel to me like in my, in my head narrative of what happens after this movie, these dinners aren't going to last. I just, yeah. I don't feel like it's going to last. I mean, that was my sense. Yeah. Especially because, I mean, you know, her sister uh, really seemed like, what are we doing? Like, yeah, Serrano you have just to acknowledge like, this. Dad, yeah. you know where she is. Right. Like that that moment where the sister is the one who's driving toward resolution. Uh, of course, it feels absolutely true to character. And it feels like she's tilting at windmills. I, she'll, I don't think she'll ever get it. I think mom's mom's ideology is too cemented. Which we see when Lee comes to visit her at work. Right. And she's just like, I'll be praying for you. She can't even say she loves her. She just, right. she gets her stuff and says, I'll be praying for you and walks out. She's just broken. It's just, uh, like, it just is painful. Do you want to, do you find yourself wanting to call her and ask just, you know, <laughs> Kim Wayans if she's okay? <laughs> <laughs> I just want to make sure she's eating well and feeling okay about things. That's yeah. my, that's what I'm worried about. It's, it's tough. Cause you know, I, it's just, it's very frustrating. You know, I mean, we had a family friend who went through this with his parents. His dad was a cop, actually very similar. Uh, and, uh, and when he came out, he was, he was kicked out of the house and had to live on his own for a while. They all came back together and now he you know, is in business with his parents. They are like the three of them business partners and they all work together. But it was a stretch of time that was very difficult. Yeah, believe it. Yeah. Okay. Is that it? Are we done? Yeah. We hang it up. I think, hang uh, it up? I think so. Yeah. Let's, uh, let's push on. All right. The Next Reel is a production of True Story FM, engineering by Andy Nelson, music by Lalinea, Oriole Novella, and Eli Catlin. Andy usually finds all the stats for the awards and numbers at the-numbers.com, boxofficemojo.com, imdb.com, and wikipedia.org. 
find the show at truestory.fm. And if your podcast app allows ratings and reviews, please consider doing that for our show. Are there any, uh, were there, was it, was there a sequel? Do we get to see how dinner works out? There was, uh, yeah, right. Uh, this, I, I'd love to see a sequel to this. That would be quite the story. Um, no, there was the original short film, though, that Dee made while in film school. She went to uh, NYU, the Tisch uh, School of the Arts. And, uh, you know, Spike Lee was one of her mentors. And she worked on Inside Man. She worked on When the Levees Broke and wrote the feature for this. Um, it evolved over time, but for her graduate thesis, she actually took the first act, adapted it, and directed it as the short film Pariah, which came out in uh, 2007, uh, played a ton of festivals, won her lots of accolades. And then she went on to do that documentary that I said about um, her grandmother, and then over all this time, she was trying to get the funding put together for this. But it took like five years to to get it all figured out and reworking the script and everything and, and you know, trying to uh, make it into something that would draw people in. And uh, so it was it was a, a ride for her to get it going. But um, and I didn't see the short. It wasn't I would love to have had it on the the disc. I don't know if it, if it's on the criterion. I'll do some real-time research. I didn't get a chance to look at it, did you? It is on YouTube. We'll put the, the short, link in the show notes. The short yep. is on the YouTube, and um, yeah, it's not on the Criterion disc. That's too bad. Way to go, Criterion. I, I don't actually know if anybody is in the short that was in the actual film. But it is interesting to look at because the they they did, a, I think, a swell job of matching what she was going for in the short with the tone and color and and style of the the final feature. She clearly knew what she wanted to see. It looks like um, Adepero Duye played Alike. Hey, look at this. Uh, Pernell Walker was Laura. Oh, it is. She is. There she is. Yeah. yeah, I haven't. I should say I haven't watched it. I'm just Sarah. Sarah Melise was Sharonda. Yeah. Arthur and Audrey were different, uh, different performers. Wendell Pierce actually played Arthur in the short and Gamila Wright played Audra. Um, we had a few other people in it, too. But, uh, you know, those, you know, the uh, Alike, Laura and Sharonda were all the same. That's fantastic. Yeah, I, it's so strange to look at. It looks exactly like the movie. I'm just scrubbing through it. It looks exactly like the movie. Interesting. Oh, I'm excited to watch this. Okay. Yeah, we'll have to put the link in the show notes. A Link in notes. Yes, indeed. All right. How about uh, award season? Did it do any good? I think this movie probably did some good. It did. It did. 13 wins, 30 other nominations. Uh, you know, it's the sort of film that uh, that certainly gets noticed because it really stands out as like, wow, look what I can do. Uh, at the African-American Film Critics Association, Adepero Oduye won the Breakout Performance Award, and the film won the Ind Independent Film Award. It was also nominated for Best Picture, but got third place behind The Tree of Life and Drive. At the Black Reel Awards, Oduye won Best Breakthrough Performance. Uh, she was also nominated for Best Actress, but lost to Viola Davis in The Help. Uh, Kim Wayans and Pernell Walker were both nominated for Supporting Actress, but they lost to Oct Octavia Spencer in The Help. 
Uh, best screenplay lost to Shame. Best director lost to Steve McQueen for Shame. Um, Wayans, uh, Kim Wayans was nominated for Best Breakthrough Performance, but lost to uh, Oduye, as we already said. Um, the uh, producer, Nikisa Cooper, was nominated for Best Film, but lost to The Help. And the casting director, uh, A.D. Belasco, was nominated for Best Ensemble, cast, but lost to The Help. At the Film Independent Spirit Awards, uh, the film won the Cassavetes Award, which is, uh, you know, a film award you get for uh first film or low budget i can't remember one or both of those um and then oduye won best female or was nominated for best female lead but lost to michelle williams for my week with Marilyn. at the glad media awards it won for outstanding film on a limited release and uh, you know at sundance where it really kind of uh got its first release uh it won best cinematography in dramatic films and was nominated for best uh film grand jury prize dramatic but lost to like crazy so you know it, i mean it it got a lot of notice, and uh, I think it really is the sort of film that uh, the D was able to use to her advantage to kind of really grow her career. Yeah. Well, worth it. Did it make any dent at the box office? This movie is yet another budgetary mystery. I have no idea what the budget was. Um, in fact, let me, I want to look up the Cassavetes Award. Okay. So I do know this about the budget. It Since it won the John Cassavetes Award at the Independent Spirit Awards, that is a film that was budgeted less than $500,000. So I know that at least it had a budget less of $500,000 or yeah. less, but I don't really know anything else. I don't know what the actual budget was. The movie premiered at Sundance in 2011 and then had a festival run before hitting streaming December 28th, 2011. It did play in theaters, but it started only in four theaters, presumably for Oscar consideration. Uh, just to give you an idea what else came out that same weekend, uh, you could have gone to see We Bought a Zoo, War Horse, The Darkest Hour, or Extremely Loud and Incredibly Close. Wow. This, this film did expand to 24 screens, and it played in theaters for about 12 weeks. It ended up earning about $770,000 domestically, which is about $877,000 in today's dollars. Um, I can't report on exact profits since the budget is it's not specific, but based on the fact that uh, you know it cost at least $500,000 or less, it does look like it did have a very small profit. Well, that's something. That is something. Profit is gold, Andy. Profit is gold. And with that, we should we should rank it. We will be right back to uh, to do our ratings. But first, here's the trailer for next week's movie, Tomboy. T'es nouveau? Moi, on a rêvé hier. Moi, c'est Lisa. J'habite ici. Michael. Je m'appelle Michael. Regardez 
Okay, Andy, I, uh, you know, I really uh, struggled. It's not a five-star movie. Some things, I have quibbles. I have Andy's patented quibbles with this movie. Not very many of them, uh, but I do think that this is going to take it down to four stars with a heart. What do you think? Fair? That's where I am. Four it stars is? and a heart. Yep. Yep. Oh, what a blessed relief. We agree. <laughs> we agree. It's, uh, I, I really think that it's a very strong film with strong performances that work incredibly well. It just, I, I didn't end up loving it, but, um, boy, I tell you, I was, I, I really felt the journey of our character Lee as she went through this, um, this time trying to announce to the world who she was. It was, it's a, it's a powerful journey and certainly is worth, uh, you know, worth going on this journey with her. So what did you think about it? We want to know. Hop into the Show Talk channel on our Discord server. Well, we'll be talking this week about this very movie. When the movie ends, our conversation begins. Letterbox giveth, Andrew. As Letterbox always doeth. I started at the top of the activity uh, list for mine, and it's because it's our, speaking of somebody who is on our best friends list, who we've never met yet, but we have come into very close proximity of uh, Demi Adijuibe, uh has <laughs> We've been in the same room. We've that been in the same room <laughs> as Demi, and uh, Demi has strong feelings about this movie. He does not uh, star rate his films. He just gives it a heart. And he says, in awe, never seen a drama like this that is so loving of its homophobic antagonists without sacrificing the empathy you have for the queer character at the center. Makes everything so much more complex. I really loved it. Impressed at how many intersections of femininity, sexuality, gender, and social status appearances it manages to tackle and tackle well in just 86 minutes. And it's really sweet and charming, too. Learning a character as a poet usually ignites a really bad feeling in my gut, but the lines delivered at the end of this movie are just so perfect. I don't want to imagine a version where Lee isn't one. Love, love, love. I, I have to—we didn't talk at all about her relationship with a teacher, and I actually loved it. I think that their uh, relationship was so short and small, it made it more powerful. For me, they did not spend any time trying to make this Mr. Holland or Coda or whatever. It's just a really great and empathetic teacher. And I thought that was that was a great experience for me to watch, too. Yeah, no, it was wonderful watching those moments. Uh, very powerful. And, you know, doing the right things, you know, saying the things that just kind of get her to kind of push herself and be more open and everything. And it was it was, it was very powerful. Uh, to that end, um, the one I'm going with also has a lot of likes, not as many as Demi's, but still it's Brat over on Letterboxd, uh, who, who starts with the quote that ends the film, which is one of the lines of the poem that Lee writes. I am not running. I am choosing. I am not broken. I am free. Oh, wow. That's the best ending line since before sunsets, baby. You're going to miss that plane. Yeah, I love that. And and I have to say, I love Brad's reviews. Um, 
mostly because Brat's bio says opinions expire after two years. I do not relate to a single thing I wrote here pre-2020 except for the stuff about the rat from Flushed Away. I think that's that's delightful. That's uh, Mia Vagina. <laughs> uh, fantastic. Yeah, thank, thanks, Letterboxd. I've been podcasting since 2006. In that time, I've tried countless hosting platforms. But in August 2022... We switched to Transistor to power all of our shows here at True Story FM, and it's been a game changer. I love the Transistor allows unlimited podcasts and storage without extra charges. We can publish so much content, and we do. If you want to start up a podcast, do yourself a favor and host your show on Transistor. With their one-click publishing, you can get your new show onto all the major podcast directories effortlessly. And their website builder lets you quickly build custom sites for each show. The detailed analytics are invaluable, too. You can access all kinds of listener data anytime. Oh, and the versatile players allow you to embed episodes anywhere to reach new listeners. Plus, the team behind Transistor is super responsive and keeps making the platform even better. After using countless hosting services over 15 plus years, Transistor has been hands down the best podcast partner for us. If you want a hosting platform to take all the worry out of getting your podcast out into the world, go to thenextreel.com slash transistor and check it out. Support our show and support your own show by going to thenextreel.com slash transistor. Start growing your podcast today. <laughs>